Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Rotorol Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today, today being Tuesday, by Mr. Denny Carter. We're going to break down all the latest news on the very active coaching carousel, Denny. But it seems like teams are afraid to hire anyone. Yeah. I, I don't know what this is now. I, I, I want to make fun of all the worst teams in the NFL for they're like interviewing quite literally like 12 to 13 people for their head coach it's a openings. Lot. And some people are like, well, you know, it's the biggest decision they'll make in the next five years. Why would they not talk to everyone? And my counter to this is, uh, I don't know. Like, it seems like that's a lot. <laughs> seems like maybe too many. I mean, it, it does. And as, as someone who is helping to blurb every single coaching interview, I would appreciate if these teams just stopped and just <laughs> just hired somebody, please. They're all going very, very Wall Street. Like, they think that they don't interview all 4,000 people. Uh, that's actually not very Wall Street at all. Just be a friend getting you your job there. Right. But I'm trying. Uh, I don't know. But it seems like they're doing a little too much due diligence, but we're going to get into all of that. We're also going to get into, no, nah, it's pretty much all there is, is coaching stuff. Uh, the Titans hired Brian Callahan as their offensive coordinator. The Bears hired ex-Seahawks offensive coordinator Shane Waldron as their coordinator. Josh Allen is stumping to keep Joe Brady. Nick Sirianni needs a new offensive coordinator because he fired somebody. Everyone wants Bobby Sloak to be their head coach, so on and so forth, a lot more uh, where that came from. But first, Denny, this we need to tell the people. We do. Uh, January 23rd, two weeks from today, what town are we going to be in and for what purpose? We're going to be in Sin City, otherwise known as Las Vegas, for the Super Bowl. We are going to the Super Bowl Super once Bowl again. Super Bowl L-V-I-X-V. That's right. All the all the various Roman numerals. Who 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 really knows and how can we confirm which, which Super Bowl <laughs> it is? But uh, yeah, we will we will be there, which is which is pretty cool. We were not there together last year. Last year, I got had the pleasure of working with Lawrence Jackson, our colleague, uh, making some videos and some podcasts. Uh, this year, uh, you know, it'll be me, Pat, Lawrence, Matthew, Barry, others, other folks who are going to come along for the uh, for the ride. We're going to have a good time, and people are going to accuse me, Pat, of using a green screen and yeah. say and saying I'm not actually there, and I know you're going to feed in to this vile misinformation. I'm just going to say, listen, we're sending a lot of people. We have a nice big budget for the Super Bowl. I don't know why we're spending nine tenths of it on a soundstage <laughs> and green, green screen for Denny and why he cannot leave the Baltimore, Washington, DC metro area 
And I just feel like some of that, those resources would be better allocated in yeah. actual Las Vegas <laughs> than on this Probably. extremely like like Disney superhero level soundstage that you have. Right. It's actually we're working with uh, the the Marvel people uh, to, uh, to to put together a, a, an elaborate ruse uh, to make people think I'm at the Super Bowl. No, I'm I'm actually going to be there, and we're going to go to Vegas, which we have you know mixed feelings on, but I. Here's the thing. The town. Vegas. We don't have mixed feelings on going. We, we, we've both been Vegas oh, yeah. truthers a bit in the past. Yeah, we're not, uh, <clears throat> not, not the, the highest on the, 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 the scene in, in, in Vegas. But I am going to get Pat to a, a blackjack table and show him the process as I slowly but surely lose $100. I said, you know what's really bad? is the, the last time I was there is like three or four years ago. I mean, like I quote knew about gambling but I knew the absolute bare minimum on sports betting this is. And now I kind of feel like I know something. Yeah. And it's just going to go horrifically. Right. I'm sure. Oh, you, you know what it, I did last time? I, I was in Vegas uh, for a conference in, in February and took my wife. And we were at the, the, the sports book. And I put a significant amount of money on Tiger Woods to win the tournament, whatever tournament was happening at the time. That's like the ultimate fish move. They absolutely love when you it was, Tiger Woods. It was, but here's the thing. Uh, I had consumed 2.5 White Claws. <laughs> and and it's Tiger, okay? I believe, I believe Tiger did not make the cut. But whatever, <laughs> we're, we don't regret it. I made two bets when I was there that I can remember. And one of it was the, it was the 2020 NFC Championship game. And I took the Packers money line. Oh. Um, you can look up on Wikipedia how that one turned out. <laughs> you can look how that one turned out. But yeah, Denny will be in Las Vegas. I will be in Las Vegas too, because as you recently joked, as far as we know, my wife is not pregnant with our 90th child. <laughs> we're gonna we're checking every 25. <laughs> so I had to miss last year. I could not miss the birth of my child. Sure, she was born on time, and I could have easily gone to the Super Bowl. Easily. But uh, that's neither here. <laughs> Nor there. Uh, you know, it's neither here nor there, Denny. Um, no. I, why, why did the Tennessee Titans fire Mike Vrabel if the outcome was going to be uh, Brian Callahan, who is not even actually a Sean McVay disciple? I was like, oh, he's at least part of the McVay coaching tree. But he's just really, it's the afterglow of the McVay coaching tree because he's just fully a part of the Zach Taylor coaching tree. And I don't know. The Zach Taylor system, if that is a thing that is actually real. Uh, it looked pretty good. I mean, it made Jake Browning relevant. It kept the Bengals in the playoff hunt somehow until week 17. Uh, unlike some of these, like, fly-by-night play callers from the Shanty, and it was not a play caller, some of the fly-by-night coordinators from the Shanty or McVay coaching tree, he's at least had the job, like, five years now. It's not. It's gotten, like, the the need is so desperate for Shanty and McVay guys. Like, you're, like, the wide receivers coach for one year. It's like, congratulations, you're the head the Green Bay Packers now. Right. And it's not quite that desperate with Brian Callahan, but what do you think about this? And I wasn't a fan of the Rabel firing to begin yeah. with. Even less of a fan of it now, I'll say. Well, I mean, if if he brings over the Zach Taylor way of doing business, then I guess we, we could get, depending on the personnel, we could get a really pass-first, pass-heavy offense in Tennessee, which would be a stark departure from what we're used to under Va- under Vrabel. It's true. Mike Vrabel, he did. He had the old maxim: "You can never win a game by more than three points." It, it, you know, I, I I do think I put Vrabel in the same category as I put Tomlin. They are amazing leaders of human beings, 
Um, as far as decision making and things, I don't know. I, I, I I'm, I'm skeptical. But yeah, I, it would be cool if the Titans had like a like a shift in in philosophy and who they are as a team. Derrick Henry will be gone, obviously. Um, I, what I, makes I you say we'll, that other than him literally saying goodbye to the Titans <laughs> on the field? <laughs> I would I would say. I would say it was the t- the twenty one minute speech he gave after <laughs> his last home game. <laughs> yeah, um, seems like he's going to be gone. Yeah, uh, where he declared himself the luckiest man <laughs> on the face of the earth. Uh, <laughs> only the boomers will understand. Yeah, but only the boomers will understand. I, look, so that would be cool. I mean, I, I'd be into it. it. Could could make someone like uh, Traylon Burks interesting? Maybe yeah, you know, you never know. Could, they could get crazy. They could start throwing them all. They do have DeAndre Hopkins is still on the roster. I was I kept I think I made the mistake like twice down the stretch of the regular season. Like, well, DeAndre is a free agent, and you and Kyle are like, actually, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> so they do have at least a nice piece in the passing game. The one word in defense I'll say of Rabel, he's probably a conservative run first guy. We don't truly know. Like they overachieved so early in his tenure. Like yeah, they were making stuff up as they went, including making Ryan Tannehill. Uh, like this, Ryan Tannehill wasn't he like a mid-season replacement? Yeah, he was a mid-season replacement for I, I think Marcus Mariota, I guess. Yeah, like they were just making it up as they went along, and they had so much success, with like such limited like personnel that I I just don't know if maybe the whole time they were duct tape duct taping and gluing things together, and that maybe that's not actually how he wants to do business. Uh-huh. This is how he had to do it. They didn't have a quarterback. They did have Derrick Henry. And then since they kept overachieving, they kept not getting lottery draft picks. That's the one word in defense I'll say of Mike. I, I'm assuming Mike Rabel probably is this guy, but I don't know if he ever really got the chance to not be that guy. Mike Vrabel Mike, Mike made Arthur Smith a thing. He did. I mean, is he someone had to unleash that on the world. Yeah, um, he he's responsible for Arthur Smith entering is. our lives. Um, and, and so I, I think that's who he is. I, I think – I don't know. I, I just – Sometimes I think, you know, former players, especially defensive players, guys with defensive backgrounds, they just are not, they're just not into scoring points. They're just, they just want to play a certain way, an old school way. Um, I, that's what I thought about, you know, Dan Campbell. I know he wasn't a defensive player. He's a tight end, but that's what I thought about Dan Campbell. I, w- I was wrong there. I, I, I do, I do think that the era of bringing in a defensive coach to be your head coach, I feel like that era should be over. I just, I, I just, no, I, I actually don't agree with that. I, 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 this is, this is not the kind of league where you can bring in a tough nosed defensive guy and say, yeah, man, like you have your run, have your run of the thing, you know? I think I might have agreed with you a year ago, but I, 2023 is was something we talked about all year. I really think we hit like the apex of the cult of the system. And they're like, it's it, to the detriment of teams now, it, they, they basically stake the entire franchise in their offensive system. And there, that can be way more fragile than it's given credit for. If you don't have the personnel, the system is then just terrible. Yeah. And we have to remember that there are other ways to build a team. And like, there's only so many Shanny and McVeigh guys to go around. Uh, some of the most successful head coaches in the league. I mean, this weekend, John Harbaugh, of course, it's not his system. Uh, Dan Campbell, it's not his system. Yeah. There are other ways. To, and yeah. the big difference between Dan Campbell and some of his other defensive guys is when he came in, we did joke about it. But we, we we did. He said like a lot of like kind of like new age stuff though, in his introductory press conference, like the kneecap stuff got all the highlight. But he spoke differently than most like defensive guys like Rabel or Brian Flores. Where 
he, he was very clearly like open-minded in a way that maybe Mike Vrabel might not be. Um, I think so. Yeah. And also we have to remember like uh, these coaches achieve success a certain way. And then they usually want to try to repeat that over and over and over. And Vrabel achieves his success with a very run heavy offense with super hyper efficient play from Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you look at Tannehill's efficiency numbers. They, they're off their Shan, they're Shanahan like, okay. They, they're Jimmy G like from, uh, from, you know, 2018, 2019 in, in that era. So I, I, wherever Vrabel goes, I, I think that he's just going to try to do that same thing. And, um, you know, from a, from the standpoint of, of someone who likes to see uh, offensive football, uh, I, I don't mind the Callahan signing so, so much, except for it seems, well, you know, seems a little nepotistic. It, it just seems like they went kind of far down the list, basically. Like there's, he's been there five years and hadn't really ever been considered for a head coaching vacancy before. I'm sure he had gotten some interviews in years past, but it's not like he was like a hot commodity and he was not the play caller ever for the Bengals. As far as I know, I believe that's still Zach Taylor. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, the Titans. It's like, they don't have a quarterback. So it's kind of like, what are we right? Right. Really producer Adam points out, by the way, that Dan Campbell, uh, was a tight end. Even though he exudes massive middle yeah. linebacker energy. Um, but I mean, was... uh, tight ends are almost defensive players. <laughs> <laughs> they really, I mean, let's be real. I think tight end is a, a defensive player. Um, so I don't even, I was trying to tie up several thoughts there. It's an underwhelming hire. And uh, with Mike Vrabel, one more word of defense. I don't know why we're talking so much Mike Vrabel. There basically three pillars of being a successful head coach. Uh, organizing the defense, organizing the offense, and being a leader. Mike Vrabel definitely organizes the defense, and he seems to have the leader thing down. He did have a power struggle with John Robinson, the ex-GM. It seemed like he wore out his welcome faster than I was expecting, kind of like Jim Harbaugh. Might be getting another bite at the NFL Apple. So we'll see. He might grade on people a little bit. But I think he's a very good retread candidate. Vrabel is in constant win-now mode. and So he won that battle. Uh, with John Robinson, he lost it with the current GM. It seems like that, that that's what it seems, seems like happened. So um, it, it, he, I think he needs to go to a place that is win now, like, cause he's not doing that rebuilding thing. Like he refuses to do it. The, the, the Deandre Hopkins thing on both sides, both for Hopkins and the Titans made no sense at the time. Still makes no sense. What, what do these two sides want with each other? I have no idea. And DeAndre clearly just wanted the money. And it's more like, why could the Chiefs or Bills just not match this offer? I guess the Bills are in total salary cap hell. Like, the Chiefs really couldn't have done a two-year deal. The Chiefs just need Michael Hardman fumbling out of the end zone. To, I, I, look, I know that the Chiefs offense is different, whatever. But you put DeAndre Hopkins in there. And these guys are instantly, like, the all prohibited all Super Bowl favorite. Yeah. All pro, 1,700 yards. Everyone's talking about it. I thought DeAndre was done. Yeah. <laughs> Not I, thought, I thought DeAndre was done. We're, I'm going to take us out of order on our show sheet, Denny, so might as well segue into the defensive head coach uh, who's uh, gotten the head coaching job, the, the interim man in Las Vegas, where we're headed in two yeah. weeks, Antonio Pierce. He's actually pledged to come on all four or five episodes of the Roto football show we do from Las Vegas. So, <laughs> so then, Denny, I love when we hire defensive-minded head coaches, guys. I absolutely love it, Antonio. Oh, no. Oh, no. I can't think of anything better. No. Uh, they've hired Antonio. I think they had to. Uh, we know that there is a sordid history of running back the interim coach hire. Uh, Freddie Kitchens says hello 
uh, things of that nature. <laughs> but oh. where it's it's usually not a good situation to hit on 17 at the old blackjack table. No. I, I thought the Raiders really did have to do this. He didn't. They didn't just like get hot under Antonio Pierce. Like the franchise like changed overnight. They, they liked playing football again. Josh McDaniels. I, I don't know if they're a worse program than this guy. Like they clearly just hated playing football when it was. Everyone Josh hates. Everyone hates playing for McDaniel's. No, like he 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 doesn't have it. I know that he he's been. He does groomed. not have it. He does not have it. it. McDaniel's has been groomed since childhood to be an NFL head coach. Okay, since he was a small child, and so he has everything that you need. Every every possible conceivable skill set that you need to be an, a successful NFL coach, except for people skills. He has none. Yeah. Apparently, apparent. I've never met him. But apparently he has none because everyone, no, uh, no one can stand them. The Broncos was the same way, and 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 with the Raiders. I mean, good grief! And him bringing in Jacoby Myers and being like, "You're the captain now. You're my wide receiver one because you have been to Boston, Massachusetts." That that is that's that's insane. That is such an indictment on McDaniel's. That was just totally, totally insane. All the Belichick guys—they don't understand. Like so, Belichick does the dictator thing, but he does it like he's like the, he's like Clint Eastwood basically in like a 1973 film. He has like five lines of dialogue, and like that—that's how you got to do it if you're gonna be like Mister like yeah. no nonsense tough guy. You can't like Josh McDaniel. I, I know that supposedly behind the scenes, Bill Belichick can actually be quite expansive, but like Josh like tried to do like the you have to be stoic. He was like anything other than stoic <laughs> for the, the power first approach. Yeah. And it's not a surprise no one liked playing for him, but they love playing for Antonio Pierce. They do. What do you think of this? They like many teams, uh, they don't have a quarterback. So I I I know, you know, uh committing to a guy who was elevated in a disastrous season, you know, they 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 had that glow in in the six or seven weeks, whatever he was, the head coach. It was longer and than that. It was like 10 or 11, actually. It was 10. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and so that way, and so you, you can see it flaming out. I mean, there definitely is that possibility, but I, I, I do from, from what I've read and from what I've heard in the media about Antonio Pierce, he seems like a very aggressive head coach who is willing to delegate, you know, and, and, and that, and that's important, especially when, I think when you you know I mentioned we don't like defensive co- minded coaches. Well, I mean I think I think that can work if that coach delegates uh, the offensive stuff to an offensive minded guy like like you like you mentioned. I mean John Harbaugh long long time ago special teams coach. This is Todd Munkin's offense though in Baltimore. So I, I think that Pierce seems like the kind of guy who will do that. And I, I looked into the numbers uh, quickly uh, before the show to see. Uh, if the Raiders were as run heavy as I remembered them being under Pierce and Pat, I was wrong. I was wrong. Um, here are the numbers uh, from from week 12 on. Uh, only the Browns, Jaguars, and Chiefs had a higher neutral pass rate than the wow. Raiders. So neutral neutral meaning when the game was in within seven points, you know. Um, so that throws out garbage time, whatever. So, I mean, that, you know, that indicates that Pierce would be uh, open to kind of you know maybe a forward-looking type type offense. I think it could be fine for the players. So what you're saying, Denny, is that they were very progressive with AOC under Sender. Is what <laughs> you're saying. So <laughs> they were, and you know what? I I see what you're doing there. I see. What <laughs> well, we want to talk about politics, Denny? Come on, <laughs> don't don't go a- to me. Don't go. AOC, of course, being Mr. Aiden O'Connell. I wonder if he'll be the starter next year. Kind of doubt it. Oh. Uh, 
can, cannot possibly be the star. No way. I, I don't know if you heard. They scored 63 points one game when oh he was my. a quarterback. Uh, against against, <laughs> against the most, like a literal ghost team <laughs> against the most soul sick team to ever take a field in really all was. of organized football. Really uh, I've never seen I, like I know. I mean, Aiden O'Connell, uh, per the metrics, is really awful. So let's please, please, Raiders, you got to bring in somebody. I mean, anyone to compete with this guy because whoever is brought in will win that job. I, Antonio Pierce, I just people need to remember we all want the head coach to be the offensive play caller, or whatever. I do agree that if you're breaking a tie, you break in favor of offense, that he's defensive minded, whatever. He's not, I don't think he's even going to be the defensive coordinator. He never has been a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I'm actually sure who called the plays down the stretch for the Raiders last year, but the tone setting head coach can work. Like there are guys like Joe Judge who fail spectacularly, but mm. John Harbaugh is a tone setter, Pete Carroll is a tone setter. Mike Tomlin seems a little more involved in defense than uh, than those guys are in their respective sides of the ball. They're ball for um, John Harbaugh being special teams. So, yeah, he's not really involved there. Right. But the, the tone, Dan Campbell is a tone setter. The tone setter can work. And we, I think we were too quick to write off the tone setter because the tone's got to be good. And the tone is very bad. Like you see Jimmy Garoppolo trying to retire on the field. Yeah, right. Like what happened for Josh? Oh man, the uh, vibes-based analysis of the McDaniel's Raiders was quite, quite. Bad. I've never, I've still never seen anything like that with Jimmy Garoppolo. That, that dude, he seriously was like filing his retirement papers on the field. He, I mean, I've never seen a guy who didn't want to be around anymore more <laughs> than more than Garoppolo. He just wanted, yeah, he wanted to walk off the field and be like, "I'm, I'm done." Like, please, please stop making me go out there. It made me. It actually, it was so. It was, it was uncomfortable. Like it was such bad. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. It was such bad vibes that when I when I was doing like my regression files or whatever else I was writing or preparing that week uh, during the McDaniel's uh, period there, I I kept thinking I can't I can't tout these guys because the, this offense can't work when it's this down bad. Like I, Josh Jacobs is a regression guy. Well, who cares? It, it doesn't, it's not going to work. It's not. Gonna, no one wants to be there. We're referring to the Monday night game against the Detroit Lions, by the way, on October 30th. I just double-checked the details. Yeah, I, I was honestly like Jimmy G was like, the waves take me out, they take me out. And I'm going to start a new life on whatever island I wash up on. It's going to be absolutely amazing. But I'm not playing football for Josh McDaniels anymore. <laughs> it was it was awful. It was like he attempted one pass the rest of the season. We attempted one break uh, when we return right after this. It's another Big Ten basketball doubleheader on Tuesday evening. Nebraska tips things off at 6.30 p.m. Eastern when they host Ohio State. Then second-ranked Purdue takes on Michigan in the nightcap at 9 p.m. Check out both matchups exclusively on Peacock. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC Sports shows and Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Didn't I keep forgetting you're a Big Ten guy? Maryland's in the Big Ten, you know? Yeah, I'm a huge, huge Big Ten guy. You all are. I, I all you, think about is the Big you Ten. You bleed the B1G. Right, right. Yes, it's not B-I-G. It's uh, B-1-G. And now at UCLA. Have little, so I have a little pride about your school is what I'm trying to get at here. Uh, you need to be a Big Ten guy is what I'm trying to say. You're not in the ACC anymore. You need to – you're Mr. Midwest Big Ten guy. I don't Just accept it. You know, I, I mean, I wouldn't be a Maryland fan anyway. But uh, listen, I, but uh, I do miss the ACC. Yeah, you know. This how we're all swept up in this thing, brother. Uh I even missed the Big 12 from time to time, I must admit, as a Mizzou fan. Um, the ACC was special. We we loved the ACC in the Mid-Atlantic region. I mean, in, it, not not so much in football, but in basketball, it was a powerhouse. This model is going to implode at some point. We'll see what happens. Um, speaking of implode, uh, now the Bears didn't implode this year, but they fired Luke Getze. No one really liked much what he was doing. Um, but we don't know who the quarterback's going to be next year. I guess we th- we know it's going to be Caleb, it's Caleb Williams. Williams. It's going to be Caleb Williams. Uh, they, the Bears have hired uh, ex-Seahawks offensive coordinator Shane Waldron, a member of the Sean McVay coaching tree, as their new offensive coordinator. What do you think this means for a Chicago team that had a lot of momentum down the stretch? Matt Everflus, defensive-minded head coach, finally figured out his side of the ball. Have they figured out the other side of the ball as they wait for Mr. USC Caleb Williams to arrive in town? Well, look, our, our former uh, uh, Roto World colleague, uh, Hayden Winks, pointed out on the X machine the other day, that uh, Caleb, work, Caleb Williams is working with an organization called the QB Collective for, for, for his training, right? New, the uh, Shane Waldron, new Chicago OC, is a QB Collective member. So I believe that we can easily uh, connect these dots and say Justin Fields is out and Caleb Williams is in for, for the Bears. And Shane Waldron did amazing an amazing job with Geno Smith in Seattle. He did um, one, one, you know, one thing that, that remained true through uh, the past two years was that the, the Seattle offense was uh, among the highest in the league in EPA per play on early downs. Oh, yeah. And that, that, and that, that's really indicative of like a good system that runs on time that, uh, uh, you know, is efficient on, on those early downs that passes quite a bit. And they did, they, they were a pass first team on early downs. So I, I do think with Shane Waldron, who comes from the McVay tree originally, uh, I think that there is enough indication to believe that he knows what's going on and that he can conduct uh, a modern NFL offense. And really that's not what we've seen in Chicago. No, we first from Matt Nagy. Uh, then we just didn't really see it from Luke Getze either. You could say, like, what's this guy supposed to do? Like, they don't really know what they've got in Justin Fields. Like, they never quite figured out how to use him. They never quite figured out how to get him to stop taking a sack every single third down. Um, but so uh, it has the bill, the Bears really, well, for their entire existence, have been a difficult watch on offense. Uh, but the past three or four years, even with a weapon like Justin Fields, they never quite figured it out. Maybe it's Fields' fault. But it certainly felt like it was partly Getsy's fault, and yeah. uh, I like I do like the new hire, Shane Waldron. I mean, yeah, he had talent in Seattle, but he also had Geno Smith. Like, let's be the guy hadn't started in nine years until last year, and he made him the comeback player of the year. 
like a middle of the pack start, a pretty huge yeah. accomplishment. It is. It, and it's a yeah, good it's, hire. I, I know that, you know, by, by this point in time where, you know, sort of, accustomed to the thought oh yeah gina smith really good in seattle but come on i mean that <laughs> that was that was a foreign concept uh uh two uh, two full years ago like that 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 wasn't on anybody's mind except for except for seahawks fans for some reason but um i i i uh yeah I, I, here here are the two steps to to creating a modern offense in chicago you hire shane waldron so that's one the second step is building a dome Get out of here! You gotta, you gotta build the dome. Stop. Well, I think they are. They're going to Arlington Heights, I know, and I'm sure it'll be a dome. I'm sure it'll have oh, no life. That'd be amazing. Um, no, Chicago, you need to be able to see the sky so gray no. it's actually black. Um, yeah, it's no, yeah. there needs to be seagulls like perched, you know, on every top row. There, it's basically in the lake. If you've never been to Soldier Field, it's like literally in Lake Michigan. Listen, I uh, I wouldn't be opposed to an NFL rule that said any stop, team stop. above the Mason Dixon line has to build a dome. Oh my gosh, yeah, I, you just yeah. it just should be. It just should be. You know, we, enough of this. And I want to see good football. I don't want to see this. Stuff. I mean, you know, the, you don't want the, four thousand volunteers coming to shovel out the stadium every weekend um. <laughs> <laughs> for twenty bucks a pop. Uh, I, listen, uh, listen. There's a lot of like dark modern capitalism fables going. I don't really think the bills like the shovel thing was that. I, I thought it was really like you're going there for the experience. You're not really going there for the money. It was my yeah, twenty dollar right. thing. And the no, $20 no, no. is more of just like a sop to like, you, know, you got to pay him something. Yeah. I, I didn't really buy into like the online era. Like, oh, they're only paying him $20. This is ridiculous. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know what the going rate is for shoveling out snow. It, it is higher than that. Yeah. It's higher than 20 bucks. I do uh, know right. that. Um, but I, yeah, I guess, I guess you're going for the, for the fun of it. Uh, for the you're, are, you're going for camaraderie. Listen, man, where do you, there's no third places anymore. The third place in Buffalo the third place concept, of course, people need somewhere that's other than work or home. Oh, I see. Uh, third places are fading for some reason from American collective life. The third place in Buffalo is digging out the stadium every week. Yeah, I should look into this third place. You should look into it. You bet. I, my third place is playing FIFA with the, the quote boys. No, my well, third place we, is watching Twin Peaks at home. What were we talking about? Oh, man. Uh, Shane Waldron, the dome in Chicago. Oh, yeah, the dome thing. Get out of town. Yeah, you. When I'm sure their dome will just be amazing in Arlington Heights. You know, you you called me last week. You called me a hardo. Okay, you're being you're being a hardo about this dome stuff. No, I just I I don't mind chaos. Like I want chaos. I don't want it to all be like the pristine. Like I I want chaos as well. Imagine how cool Lamar Jackson would be in a dome. Well, he should have thought about that uh, when he resigned with the Ravens. Um, I'm just saying. I know. I mean, Josh Allen would already have nine Super Bowls. Oh my but. gosh, Josh Allen is unstoppable <laughs> in a dome. And I know somebody, well, he's actually four and three in a dome. <laughs> you know, and the, the EPA of the Bills is 1.1 below his home. Whatever, whatever. You have a, a, don't, don't ruin this for me. Josh Allen is unbeatable in a dome. Speaking of Josh Allen, he is stumping to keep Joe Brady, replace mm-hmm. Ken Dorsey midseason as the Bills play caller. Been very mixed reviews on the Joe Brady offense. I saw someone by the name of Denny Carter coming down extremely negative on their divisional round approach. Uh, at least I think you were. Uh, you're talking about like bad EPA going really conservative. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the the possibility of the Bills keeping Joe Brady and running their offense? Well, uh, that I think that would mean that they're going to be run first. Um, and, you know, that's good. 
I mean, you know, it makes honestly it makes Josh Allen like probably the QB one off the board next year. Um, uh, because they're clearly out on this uh, uh, fleeting idea that we have to protect Josh Allen. We have to make him a pocket passer. Yeah. Okay. So they're out on that. And I don't know what that means for Josh Allen long-term. Maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not good for him, you know, ask ask Cameron Newton if that's good. Yeah. It's a Cam Newton situation, I think, but uh, for fantasy would be amazing. It would make James Cook or whoever is their primary, you know, their lead back really interesting. Um, we would have to adjust the way we see the pass catchers in this offense. Cause I mean, you know, Joe, Joe Brady, I mean, the, the, the bills were about 8% under their expected drop back rate with Joe Brady, um, calling plays. And, uh, that was, uh, in stark contrast to how it was before, uh, Ken Dorsey was fired. Everything could be different in this offense too. Like I wonder, will Steph Diggs even be back? He has no guaranteed salary for 2024, um, looks like you know, there'd be a lot of dead money if they cut him. Let's see if they make him post June first, though. Yeah, they could cut him pretty easily as a post June if they designate him as a post June first cut. Yeah, we, well, I don't know what was happening down the stretch with Stefan Diggs, uh, but yeah, and they're in like salary cap hell. All the salary cap is real. People on Twitter have been tweeting all week that yeah, they're screwed. Like that, basically have to keep running it back with these old players, and that they they're. They're gonna have to let some people go. They're gonna have very limited flexibility on the open market. Right. Uh, they, their offense seems like it's entering a, a dark period. I would say, but by their standards, it's still gonna be a really good offense. But by their like 2021, yeah. 2020 is not coming back. Basically. They, they they need to um they need to cut uh, Shakir loose uh, in this offense. Khalil Shakir is really good, and like he it, as a prospect. He was he as a prospect. He, Khalil Shakir was good in that Puka Nakua way, in, in that he didn't, you know, blow the roof off the combine, but he was really productive, you know, and he was really a fit, an efficient pass catcher. And I don't know everything that I see in the data from Khalil Shakir's usage says that he needs to be a more prominent part of this offense. I'm I'm really I'm pumping the brakes on saying he should be the wide receiver. I don't think that he is a wide receiver one, but man, he he is. Um, he's, he's good both in the short areas and as a deep threat. Uh, he was better than Stefan Diggs for the last half of the season. I know that's not saying much seeing that Diggs' produ- production fell off so much, but uh, uh, yeah, getting him more involved. I mean, you know, the, the tight end, what's his name? Uh, Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Dalton Knox. Kincaid. Yeah, 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 great. Getting uh, Kincaid, um, you know, uh, more involved and not, not uh, having Dawson Knox eat into his uh, you know, snap share and, and his routes. I think that that would be good for the offense. I mean, really like this team entering salary cap hell uh, could also affect the defense in a way that makes their, you know, offense needing to like step on the gas, like remain on the gas, which would be fun. But as you said, it's not going to happen if they keep Joe Brady, right? <laughs> See, like they just can't figure out the best way to deploy. They let themselves get too scared of the turnovers, I think, with Josh Allen. Yeah. Like, who cares? Like, he's going to commit one and a half turnovers every week. You're, he's probably still going to win, like, 70% of your games. Like, you just got to deal with it. Yeah. Like, what makes him special is what also makes him occasionally – he's going to, like, throw a game away occasionally. I just feel like it's pointless to try to, like, take that out of him at this point. And you just have to accept the limited bad with the extreme stream good. And that's, that's what really seemed like the theme of the Bill stretch run was just trying to take those plays out of Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, in theory, is an admirable goal. But it's like the classics Pat Crane said, what do you win when you win when Josh Allen is no longer Josh Allen? Right. Except so, for taking all these hits as a runner. 
Allen was averaging uh, about four and a half rushes per game in the uh, first half of the season. Um, after Brady took over, it was 11, over 11 per game. Oh. It's a huge, huge difference in in rushing opportunity and production. And really, I mean, he became like his rushing became the most important part uh, of the offense and, and a really in a, a very effective part. Honestly, uh, every time they played zone defense. He would make one or two reads and just take off because the defenders had their back to him. I mean, it's just, it was that easy for him. So nothing but coaching talk as we continue through the show sheet. Denny includes Nick Sirianni is keeping his job in Philadelphia. As I said earlier on the show a few weeks ago, he might deserve to be fired, but he also deserves, you you got to give him a year, basically see this as a fluke. The the indicator lights are flashing red with Nick Sirianni. Basically he's the guy who's like, "Ah, I'm out of ideas. Like you got me. Like, uh, that, was, that was pretty cool, those two years or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I got nothing after the coordinators left. Now another coordinator has left. Brian Johnson will not be brought back as offensive coordinator. Seemed like a justified move. They got to do something on offense. But I just don't know, like, what are they going to do is really, like, the question. And was it justified? Like, what what is going on with the Eagles? Talk about the vibes being the bad. Vibes they, they, have, they have curdled in Philadelphia. Yeah, it, it feels like, you know, it feels like the team was like, okay, Nick, like you got to make changes and you might, and we'll give you one more year. And so he's making wholesale changes to the, to his coaching staff. But you know, I mean, his chances of surviving into 2025, probably not great. I'm they thinking. look very poor right now. Um, yeah. And uh, I think, I think it's, it's kind of similar to Josh Allen and the bills is they're not quite sure what their offensive identity is going to be with Jalen Hurts uh, under center. Hurts' injury, uh, whatever it was, I guess one day we'll find out. It was the knee. He His knee was uh, – he had a bum knee for probably like two-thirds of the season. But we haven't gotten much detail on No, that. we have not. And uh, uh, anyway, you know, that I think that complicated things for this Eagles offense. Um, it can't with, – with Hurts' ability uh, to run and particularly run over defenders – um, you, you, this can't possibly be a pass first offense. Like you, you can't, you can't do that. And I guess when you can't lean into the ground game, I mean, they, they did have a very uh, low pass rate in neutral situations during 2022 when they were really good. And that was a large part of that, like Allen and Buffalo was Hertz rushing. So you take that away and they are completely without an identity. I don't know where you go from there. Their biggest success in 2021 was also with that when they flipped the switch midway through their season. And I think it really came down to Howie Roseman had a couple of great years as a team builder. But Howie, as we know, kind of like Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton and the Saints in those years runs very hot and cold. Where like he basically like won't miss for like two or three years. Yeah. Then like then he starts because he 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 takes chances, which is what you it's kind of like Rick Spielman was in Minnesota. You don't want your GM like stuck in like a conservative rut. Like you want them thinking big. You want them taking big swings. And it, it when it works, it's amazing. Uh, it, it's hard to like point to like notable misses with Howie Roseman the past year or two. I mean, I'm sure he had some on defense, seeing the way this thing fell apart. But I'm not enough of a ball knower to really get into that. But I, I don't understand what I think they were a team that needed to spend some money at running back, or they needed to acquire Derrick Henry at the trade deadline. Like, because like you said, whenever they struggled on offense in 2021 or 2022, if they had a bad game or two, they would just come out and run like 44 times and gain like 270 yards Yeah, and have the defense just totally off balance in the following week. They would remind that they could go into like this road paving mode whenever they wanted to. 
and they just like couldn't do that in 2023. I guess part of that was the defense. They were like, on their back foot a lot, a lot more than they were the previous two years. I thought it was a team that really, really needed a power rushing element uh, beyond the quarterback, and DeAndre Swift is not that. And I thought that was like a huge, almost fatal flaw of the offense, but it couldn't just been because the defense kept putting them in back. I think, right. I, I think everything comes back to how bad the defense got. Like you can get away with having like a middling defense, but you can't get away with having the worst defense in the NFL. And that's really by, by many measures I've looked they into it strongly. They were one of the worst. And them and the lions were, were awful, awful. in the especially in the season's final couple months. So uh, you, you, um, talking, you know, uh, a power run game, whatever power, run, that all goes out the window when, when, when you're, when your defense is giving up 30 points a game, like you just, yeah, you just you gotta, you it. gotta step on it, man. And go and go. Right. Or and, I and guess do that. Or you gotta shorten the game and you know, limit possessions wow. and have long drives. They, they didn't, they didn't, they couldn't do it even if they wanted to, is what I'll say with DeAndre Swift. That element was gone. Not that Miles Sanders is some like notable power rusher, but, I thought that was a real missed opportunity for them to not get like a a genuine like power back. So from, from week 10 on uh, only the Panthers and the Cardinals had a lower neutral pass rate than the Eagles. Um, And I guess what, what, what that tells us is that they tried to be that team, you know, and that, that, that that run heavy, like we're going to go for 200 plus rushing yards today. And that doesn't gel with an with a defense that can't get teams. Well, off that the too, team. and just like DeAndre Swift is not a serious solution to that problem. You either. don't think? I think no. Swift is fine. Ra- Rashad Penny would have been. I don't know. Rashad Penny must have like the world's worst MRI or something. <laughs> I didn't. It didn't make any sense to me that he did not get a shot down there. Like that is what he. He's like the rhythm power back. I, yeah, I do, I actually don't understand. I was Someone pretty is, surprised that that was never given a try, a try yeah. by the Eagles. As someone who had him on a bunch of best ball teams, I didn't understand that as a decision by the Eagles. He was supposed to be better in best ball. Instead. He, he was. It was. That's what they, the nerds told me. They did tell you that. Speaking of nerds, uh, this guy worked for PFF. No, Bobby Slowick, the coordinator of Houston. He, he, one of us, as you would say. You're one of us. Bobby. A lot of love for him on the interview, Mark. He's getting a lot of uh, second interview for head coach, uh, mm-hmm. the Commanders, the Falcons. Uh, he's been like a little divisive on Twitter. There's like a little bit of a cult to Bobby. There's also been like, uh, yeah, other than week 18, Bobby was like really conservative and basically put the restrictor plate on CJ Stroud and actually wasn't that great. Uh, just with a guy with such a robust market, w- w- how good was Bobby Slova really in 2023? I love PFF Bobby, but not good. I don't know. I don't know, man. Look, the, the Texans offense had the seventh worst offensive success rate this year okay they were they were 15th in epa per play i mean what are we talking about like what what we i know i know that stroud missed a couple games there with a with a head injury so i i haven't thrown those numbers out maybe maybe that would you know perk perk these stats up a little bit i don't know but i i i don't know i I think that this is a little we've gotten a little bit ahead of our ahead of ourselves with bobby slowick i i said on sunday show with you and kyle I think there's a situation where CJ Stroud is so good and possibly transcendent that he's making Bobby Slovak look like a genius. He's making Nico Collins look like the second coming of Jerry Rice. Okay. But these guys, but they're not, they're not that no. good. It's just CJ Stroud being, you know, spectacular. 
I don't think an offensive coordinator could even make a rookie quarterback look that good. I, I think if a rookie quarterback looks that good, it's just it's the yeah. Occam's razor explanation. It's just this guy is freaking amazing. Like, right. like this guy is a born superstar. It's not like I don't think Bobby was bad. I did not watch the Texans and be like, oh man, the offensive coordinator is making life easy for like I just like this guy is amazing and he's just balling out of control. CJ yeah. Stroud for, for for some of the season, uh, including that miserable loss to the Panthers. The Panthers <laughs> only win again came against the Texans. Just no, they had two wins. They had two wins. Remember that? Oh, I'm sorry. Beat the I'm Packers sorry. too, I believe. Um, Yikes! Well, or was it the uh, Packers? I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Well, in 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 that game and around that time period, back this is October, early November. Uh, Bobby was trying to establish it and the, the Texans were way below their expected drop back rate on first downs. And that became a problem, right? And CJ Stroud had to overcome that. And occasionally they would, they would pop up with some encouraging numbers where they would say they would try to pass it more on first and second down early downs. But, but overall it was, it was, it was very much up and down. Um, I don't know if this was at the direction of D'Amico Ryan's or whatever, but I, I do, I do think that Slowick has some, has some questions on his resume. That that was a wild card. Uh, a, a, not only a defensive head coach, but a first year defensive head coach probably wasn't wanting to get out over his skis. And I'm sure D'Amico had some influence over the highly conservative direction, but that, that is how I would describe the Texans. It felt like they were like resetting every couple of weeks. They're like, all right, we got to be more aggressive. Yeah, like, that's CJ right. Special. Like we, we need to cut this thing loose, but then they would like turtle after doing it. Like they can never fully commit to just cutting it loose. They had a lot of receiver injuries. They didn't have great running back personnel. So I, there was some, but it just, I think Bobby needs another year of seasoning is how I would say with Bobby. There's definitely promise here. He's from the right coaching tree. He has the right head coach. He has the right quarterback. I feel like he could use another year of seasoning. So, I, yeah, if you, if you look at the uh, dropback rates over expected for the Texans offense, you'll see what you were talking about is the, the resetting, right? So you have uh, like, uh, for instance, they start the season eight percent over, six percent over. They get you get down to the the Panthers game twelve percent under their expected dropback rate, and then negative five percent, and then they pop up at fifteen percent, and then negative three and negative eleven, and then they pop up at eleven. So it was it was uh it was a back and forth thing that made you question like why can't Slowick just commit to C.J. Stroud as the engine of this offense and sh- stop trying to make Devin Singletary like the centerpiece of the whole thing. That that is that's exactly what I was thinking in real time. I was like, man, I thought they had cut this thing loose last week, and now they're just not. Yes, they tried. I remember. I can't remember who. What, week seventeen. I remember they almost threw the game away. By the way, the other team, the Panthers beat, was actually the Arthur Smith Falcons, not the Texans. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, we were, no, no, no. They they beat the Texans and the Falcons. They beat the uh, Texans and Falcons, fifteen to thirteen, and nine to seven over the Falcons in week fifteen, hmm. or our Carolina Panthers. But uh, yeah, the Texans—they just—that's what I felt like. I was like, man, I thought I thought you guys figured this out last week, and then they just didn't. So I don't know. It's a rookie quarterback, a lot of personnel problems. Yeah. But we'll see with Bob. I don't know. Bobby gets the head coach. He's from the right coaching trees. So if you're going to take a gamble, we still know those are the trees to gamble on. Uh, speaking of the trees to gamble on, uh, Kyle Shanahan and the Saints are doing that. I think it was the Saints. What team was it? I was recently on the podcast, so like. I'm pretty sure it was the Saints. Like this team, they just got to get the first Shanahan disciple they can find. Yeah, they absolutely have to like get some more efficiency out of. Like Derek Carr can be like your ottoman 
and like the Kyle Shanahan offense. That's like something he can do. Right. And they're trying to do it. They're interviewing passing game quarter coordinator Clint Kubiak and quarterbacks coach Brian Greasy. Uh, pretty unorthodox interview there, Brian Greasy. Uh, what do you think about the potential of the Shanahan system coming to New Orleans? I mean, I'm 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 all for it. You know, let's let's get something different in in New Orleans. Like yes. th- this is this is the same Saints offense year after year after year. We talked about how this is so predictable, and they're so they're so they're so committed to being a, a balanced balanced offense. Okay. Uh, and if we can get one way or the other, one way or the other, let's just, let's just find a, find a path to go, to go down. Um, yeah. I mean, interview anybody attached to Shannon, interview his pool guy, whatever. Pool like, guy. I mean, he still has cable, the cable guy, Yeah, um, literally anyone. Yeah, I still have cable. By the the Xfinity employee who installed at his. No, house. no, 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 no. Well, he can't, that Xfinity guy's under contract with Comcast Corporation. That's right. uh, yeah. Don't he, be meddling with the He doesn't want to become a head coach. No, he doesn't. He's proud to work for Comcast, but continue. And uh yeah, I mean just just let's let's do this. Let's make Derek Carr uh let's turn Derek Carr into Jimmy G. Let's do this. <laughs> Seriously, like we we do we got to do it cuz he could be like deluxe Jimmy G. Like yeah. Derek Carr too. Sometimes to his detriment. He, Derek Carr is anyone like oscillate between like wild conservatism and then, like, uh, like uh, DeAndre down there somewhere, deep yeah. ballism. Like, he yeah. loves the deep ball. Uh, I feel like he would be absolutely perfect for the Shanahan system because he can be like a seventy percent underneath passer, but then oh, yeah. he will throw deep uh, when you want him to. And he's just been crying out for. This is a a very cursed question. It's so stupid. I don't even know why I'm asking. <laughs> oh, oh please! Would the 49ers have been better this year with Derek Carr instead of Brock Purdy? I think probably the same. I, I, yeah, I'm not gonna say better. I don't think I could say better either. I, and we got to give some respect to the young man, uh, Brock Purdy. There. Yeah, I mean the the one thing Purdy does that you know Jimmy G didn't do and Carr doesn't do really well is 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 uh, create a, out of out no. of structure and and no. you know he he does that okay. You know he's not he's not spectacular. He does it okay. I feel like he was regressing at it down the stretch. Brock Purdy early in the season, like, well, he's gonna make some magic. Later in the season, he was finally going like pick mode. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Brock Purdy. But yeah, well, he he almost went pick mode against Packers. But he uh, desperately wanted that game. Was that was the true like man? They, how they keep getting away with this stuff, man? But uh, look, everybody got what they wanted out of that game. True. You know, as a, as a Brock, as, as a Brock Purdy skeptic, uh, I got what I wanted, which was you know a bunch of almost picks and He's just all around terrible play. Really, really, truly bad. But the Purdy truthers, they they got a win. They got a win. What He's do you want? He's a gamer. He's a gamer. He, he actually is a gamer. It's pretty funny. I guess. He's yeah, a gamer. He is. He's a gamer. He is. Um <laughs> I I I it the, the the whole quarterback wins thing drives me insane. It feels like such a relic, right? From from back when wins was really the only stat we had yes. to judge quarterbacks by. You know, so it's like, yeah, Montana, it's great, won a lot. And he was no, he was, he was, but the, but the, but the flip side of that pad is Marino didn't win a lot. Not good. Uh, Marino so clearly, sure. clearly better than Montana. It's not, it's not a discussion. It's yeah, not actually a discussion. A discussion. Uh, no, 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 no. He was, no, he no, was no, like Tom, Joe, Joe Montana was Tom Brady without the rage. I think Marino was head and shoulders above. You were a Dolphins fan. You just, you, you're not, you don't care. You just, you just want aerial theatrics. And Joe uh, well, had you, you got it. 
Joe got it, that, but he also actually won. So Marino was was like you like Mahomes taking the uh, Back to the Future car back to nineteen. It's true. He he it was like the classic like he was playing a different sport than anyone else. Right. Nineteen eighty four. Montana wasn't playing a different sport. No, he was he was a Dinkin and a Duncan. Well, he was. That was the, he was the beginning of the efficiency boom. Right. Dan Marino was the beginning of like the the aerial theatrics boom. Montana was the beginning of the efficiency boom. They were kind of on the same path. The path eventually met, but they were like taking two different routes. They were of the beginning of modern passing, basically. Yeah, sure. The two of them together. Sure. And and, and listen, we can't we can't say both were good. No. One was good and one was bad. No, no, that's absolutely true. (laughs) Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Speaking of bad, no, I don't know. Uh, the Panthers just they're hiring like a crony as their GM, Dan oh, Morgan. How about a team that seemed like they needed to go out of house? Yes. Oh, and with is- the usual caveats, we have no idea. Maybe he actually is like, the hidden gem in the Panthers front office. But the process for this hire seemed very, very poor. By the this is this is David Tepper installing yes someone nice who yeah. yeah right so someone who who is not going to come in with much power if any right. And he is going to be more uh, moldable than than a guy that they would have brought in from the outside, who maybe has something, some accomplishments under his belt. This isn't. This is a. Uh, this is a crony hire. A Dan, a Dan Morgan, I'm sure, is a fine young young man, probably older than me. But he, he is older than you. He's like 50. Yeah, uh, fi- a fine, a fine older man than me. But hey, look, look. Uh, but I think that it's clear what's happening here. It's clear. That that he's being installed by Tepper to do what Tepper wants, and the new head coach is going to be instructed to do one thing, and that's to make Bryce Young a legit franchise quarterback, and he and that, that will be a, a, a heavy lift. So the, the, this team is doomed. They 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 are doomed to bad play. Uh, to I mean, for years, years. Yes. Like basically, they they just need this is like about luck. They have to get lucky. That Dan Morgan was like the hidden gem in their front office because like on paper. No, saying nothing about the man himself, Dan Morgan, like like this kind of hire was the exact opposite hire of what they needed to make. Someone who was already in the front office and, like you said, is like clearly being installed as a lackey of David Tyler. It's just the, the the they could not. This is like the exact opposite of the platonic ideal hire for them. Like they needed an outside, fresh perspective, someone who could be like, like, listen, David, I know you want to win, but we got to try right. it this way. 
I, I can't think of a, a worse mode of hire than this, what they just did with Dan Morgan. Um, can I just quickly, before we wrap up here, I, I wanted to uh, mention that we have a report on Roto World right now that uh, Arthur Smith has interest from, quote, more than seven teams who are interested in him as, as offensive coordinator. Oh that, yeah, I'm sure. I, yeah, right. I, I, I would say, you know, more than 19 teams. More yeah. Than, more than 31 teams are interested in Arthur. Yeah. Let, let's just pump, pump up the numbers all the way. Let's get them all the way up. Right, even the Falcons, they, they're interested in bringing him back as offensive coordinator. It, right. As long, as long as we're going to make up something, let's just say it. Let's just say 57 teams are interested in him. Oh, see, no one's interested in Arthur Smith. Are you kidding me? No, I know. I was almost joked about that earlier in the show that we hadn't gotten a single Arthur Smith report. So it's kind of funny. Oh, no. Oh, this is so transparent. It hurts, man. It hurts. This guy is going to need to go be the quarterback's coach at Auburn. He's just just go to the C-suite, man. Go to FedEx. Like, who cares? Stop trying to outrun your destiny. Like You you form Arthur Smith, like not a bit. Uh, like, if you're not going to follow the family career path, he carved out a pretty amazing like, all right, you yeah. proved a pretty amazing point. You can become an NFL head coach. It's it's time to come home. You wow! Time to come home. That's actually place. great. That's actually a great point. I I believe that that's probably that conversation has probably been had. <laughs> time to come home, Arthur. With Daddy, time to end the show, Denny. Um, we'll be back on Thursday with Kyle Dvorak to break down our two conference championship games. I'm sure, there'll be more uh, head coaching news to break down by then as well. I seem like we're getting finally close to some hires. So we'll have all that and more on Thursday. Uh, Denny Carter will have his funnel report up on the website later this week for the conference championship rounds. Right. Uh, so for Denny, I'm Pat. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back later this week. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.